Hello and welcome back to Dispatches from the Dam. I'm your host, Caleb Jarrow. We want to thank everyone for your support and ask that you continue to like and subscribe. Today we're talking to 2020 graduate and geospatial engineer in the United States Army, Stephen Hayworth. Thanks for coming on, Stephen. We were supposed to do this last week, but due to some unfortunate circumstances, we were unable to do that. Oh, yeah, you know, no problem. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, you, you sure you got locked up. You caught a stray. Um, oh, yeah, I was just I just came here to do this podcast and uh, I stopped by the ROTC because I was in the ROTC for, you know, all of high school. Uh, and so I go down there and right as I'm about to leave, dude's like, hey, no, you can't leave. I'm like, what do you mean I can't leave? Uh, we're in a hard lockdown right now. <laughs> what do you mean? How are we in a hard, you know? Oh, God. I got stuck there the entire day, and it wasn't that bad. There was definitely points where I was like, I'm going to punch one of these kids in the face. Like, it was <laughs> – dude, I'm sitting in there, and this dude behind me is like, hey, I have a note that says I can leave at 2 o'clock. Um, can I go? And I was like, dude, I don't even go here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> – oh, man, you know. Well, it was seniors graduating soon and deciding on their plans after high school – I thought it'd be good that we talked to you today. We talked to Ethan Williams in the fall about college, but I know you went straight in the Army after high school, after you graduated in 2020. So why don't you talk about what went into that decision? You know, did you maybe ever consider college or was it just Army all the way? Uh, so originally I definitely wanted to go to college and then a lot of it was my brother-in-law. Um, he's a recruiter in the Army. And so just kind of like growing up, my sister dated a lot of like really crappy dudes. Uh, and so once like he came around and then was like, I was like, oh man, you know, what does this guy do? Cause he never, they never have a problem where they have to like really want for anything or they like, you know, worry about when food's going to be on the table or this and that. Uh, it really kind of just opened my eyes to like, oh, there's more than just like, you know, go to college. And then half of it was, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, for the longest time. Like, there were so many different professions where I was like, no, nah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm telling you, there's a point in time where I was going to be a weatherman. Um, <laughs> I was like, meteorologist, that's where I'm going. I like the weather. Um, yeah, that was, <laughs> you know, every, you know, everybody switches up every now and then. Um, but so, yeah, now I'm a geospatial en engineer in the United States Army, and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Why don't you tell us what a geospatial engineer is? All right, so it's, like, kind of complicated, but if you want me to, like, really simplify what it is, you can probably describe it as just, like, somebody who makes maps. But normally we do that um, in, like, not all of it. Obviously, I can't, you know, tell you everything the United States government does on this podcast. But um, we'll do, like, just a lot of stuff. My goal is to make is it's not even necessarily a map all the time. A lot of it can be like 3D models or something like that. Um, our entire job is to kind of like let a commander or a general know what area they're going into or what the area looks like before we get there. So we work a lot with uh, intelligence analysts and, uh, you know, other people that are kind of like in that like intel field. Um, so we can build, you know, just so you don't go in blind, because the worst thing you can ever do is go in and not know what anything is. Uh, so we try to make like it as easy as possible to kind of adjust. Well, for those who don't know, Stephen just got back from his first tour where he was in South Korea for two years, I guess. Was uh, it about two years? It's like a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. So you've been in the Army a good bit now. Would you make the choice again? Um, yeah, especially like 
I was really nervous about going to Korea at first because I was like, oh man, I'm going to be in a foreign country, like super far away. And in my head, I was like, I'm never leaving the army base because I'll just get lost in Korea and not know what to do. Um, but it was honestly like being that far away, it kind of forces you to be more independent and like, I don't have to rely on anybody for anything now. Um, but Korea is a country in general, super fun. Um, ton of stuff to do there. Uh, it's different. It's like, there's probably like a small adjustment, but after that, it's kind of just like the United States, except for, you know, you can't read anything. So it's like being <laughs> in the United States if you were illiterate. <laughs> Why don't you tell us, uh, what you liked in Korea? My first question was if you ate any ramen and you uh, said you didn't. Um, so. not necessarily like authentic Korean ramen, but they definitely still sell like ramen noodles in like every store ever, just like we do here. Um, <laughs> Actually, I don't think I had any, like, real ramen where I was there, but I definitely had dried ramen. Don't ask. Um, and, like, like, ate it as the brick. I ate ramen <laughs> oh as gosh. the brick of ramen more than I ever ate, like, noodled ramen. So what do you like about Korea? What did you learn, I guess? I mean, um, I actually know zero Korean. Uh, maybe a little bit more than zero, but, like, not enough. If you, I had to speak Korean to, like, get around there, I would die. Um, but ever there's a translation for everything everywhere. It's super easy uh, for foreigners to like kind of get in there and go around just because everybody there knows English. Um, it's more likely that you find somebody that like it's very rare for you to find somebody that doesn't know any English at all there. And so that's not bad. Um, hold on. What did you say the question was? I had a thought and it just <laughs> <laughs> what uh, it was what you liked about South Korea. Oh, yeah, you're there. Oh, yeah. Public transportation. Super cool, by the way. Not paying for gas. Undefeated. Uh, especially coming back now and with gas prices being like stupid high, um, going from never having to pay for gas to like, I want to go to all these places, but like, I'll just drive around a lot. And then I'm like, oh, God, I got to pay another $40 for gas again. Yeah. And it, you know, in South Korea, you can go across the country and back for like 15 bucks. Um, it's literally like, I don't know, I guess if you've ever lived in a city with like public transportation, it's probably not that crazy to you, but living in, you know. Yeah, we don't have a subway. Yeah, yeah. living here and then going to South Korea was. I mean, there's buses downtown, but nothing. Nah, man, I'm telling you, these trains are, they're high speed, you know, they're like, <laughs> you can, super comfortable too, low key, until they're like crowded and everybody's just standing. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's a lot of fun to be able to go anywhere. So what are some things you didn't like about Korea? Because I know you probably didn't like waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch football. Uh, oh, yeah. That was definitely the worst was because, like, just because, um, yeah, you're right. Waking up at 3 a.m. to watch the Falcons lose by 40, not a fun time. Um, or, I mean, I guess any team for that matter. Thankfully, sometimes, you know, the time slot kind of, like, works out well. So uh, for, like, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, a lot of times the basketball games are like at night anyway. So like eight o'clock here, that's going to be like right in the morning over there. So I could kind of just like wake up in the morning, start my day off with some Hawks basketball and then, you know, go on, which depending on how the game goes, you know, really just sets the mood for the rest of the just day. Ruin the day the yeah. Game. Sometimes there's definitely been days where like I woke up at like 2 a.m. to watch the Falcons lose by 40 and I'm like, oh man, I'm in a poor mood the rest of this day. <laughs> um, so I guess with that being said, what does a work week look like in the Army? Because, you know, they say you're 
always working, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but what all did it actually entail like day by day? Well, so technically somebody is working 24 hours, <laughs> seven days a week all the time. Um, and you always have to be ready to work um, that time. But for anybody like thinking about joining the army, you're not actually working like crazy, stupid hours every single day. Um, after you get out of like your like standard training, most of the time you're just at like a nine to five job. Um, so standard, um, like Monday, you wake up at, I like to wake up really early. Um, so I'll wake up at like 5 a.m. Uh, and then we have to be out for PT by 6.30. And so, but I definitely knew like a ton of people who would wake up at like 6.15 and just be outside by 6.30. Because uh, most of the time you end up doing P, uh, like PT anyway. Like you just meet up right outside your barracks. That way you don't have like, you know, nobody has to do a commute. Um, and then so depending on the day, uh, you know, you do whatever ex exercise you're going to do. And then after that, go back, have breakfast, you know, you have normally from like 7.30 to 9.30 to just do whatever you need to, you know, shower, have breakfast, watch, you know, watch YouTube or something, watch a little TV. Uh, and then after that, that's when you're going to like go do your kind of like first day of work. And normally uh, they do what's called motor pool Mondays. And so... That's like everybody is assigned like a vehicle in the army. So you're basically going to spend that time just checking on your vehicle, you know, make sure everything works. And so a lot of times uh, I'll say you're they give you a really long sheet of like all these things you're supposed to look over to check your vehicle. But what actually ends up happening is somebody turns the vehicle on, drives forward and backwards, and then says that it works. <laughs> I don't do that, of course, but uh, you know, I definitely seen it a couple times, um, like every Monday. But after that, you'll do, you know, normally you spend like the first half of the day um, doing that and just, you know, making sure everything works. Or, you know, if somehow you just check all your vehicles really fast, you go back to your room uh, and then wait for lunch to end. Um, and so normally we'll have like hour and a half, two hour lunch break and then come back at like one, two o'clock. Um, and then kind of like just do whatever else you need to do in the office until five. And then the rest of the week is just going to be kind of the same thing where, except for you won't go to the motor pool. You'll just do wait for whatever request you have. Um, like whatever comes in garrison work standard to um, do kind of like, you know, whatever's on the bucket list that week, whatever you have to do, like the tasks that need to be accomplished. And you'll, you just kind of spend the rest of the week going. So what did that look like for you? Were you drawing maps of random places in the world? So or? we don't actually draw maps. There's, um, <laughs> believe it or not, maps are not hand-drawn anymore. Uh, we are in 2022. So there's... Um, there's a program that like literally everybody can get. It's called uh, ArcMap, and then there's another, or I guess technically the program is ArcGIS, and the new one is called ArcGIS Pro or something like that. And I think you have to buy like a one-year subscription to it to like use the program, but you can do a lot of like what the army does in general, just because a lot of it is like public information, like where roads are and stuff like that. Um, so like you could go you on your laptop right now. You it probably destroy your laptop trying to like run all these like military processes, but you know you could do it, um, and just kind of practice everything that you want to do. Or if you just want to like, I guess kind of get a go ahead about like what it's what it's kind of like before you do it. But it, it I don't even know how to describe. It. It's almost like a video game half the time. 
Um, just cause a lot of it, we rarely ever draw anything. Most of the time, if we have something, somebody will send it to us and then, um, we just like add it to the map. Like I can't think of a way to describe how simple this is, but it'll be like, they send us the file and the file has all the data in it for like kind of what's going to go on there. And you like click and drag the file into the map and then it's there. And then you just change the colors are on it or like something like that or like the size of it. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty stupid proof actually. Really the entire like job is just learning how to do like the very basics. And I mean, you know, they will teach you all that and then, you know, you'll learn a little more as you go on. So when you're bored right now, do you, load up arc map on your PC. No, I don't. I don't. Believe it or not, I don't go home and do work more than I have to. Um, I, I actually, I may do that like when I'm in Texas, just because in, um, Korea, uh, you get a lot of chant. There's a lot of like map requests over there. Um, so we got to make a lot of stuff. Uh, so we were always working, but back in the United States, you get significantly less work because, you know, you're not in an, operational environment anymore expand on that so what were you drawing maps of then um, you want to tell us some government secrets so i'm not going to tell you any government secrets but um most of the time it's just like training stuff and so you just do less training um in the united states than you will for for somewhere else so it'll be like hey we're gonna go to this area um you know can we get a map of it and we're like sure right like you know <laughs> fine sick and the cool part is, like, most of the time, there's already, like, maps of stuff, especially if the unit's been, unless you go to, like, a brand new unit, and then you probably have, like, a stupid amount of funding, so it doesn't matter anyways, because um, you're using all the, like, really nice stuff. But if you go to a unit that's, like, been up for a while, most of the time, you already have a map of everything that you guys normally work with. So it's not a lot of creating new maps, but just kind of retooling old maps to, like, kind of fit the, the need of whatever you need to do. So I know uh, you talked about PT a little bit, and a lot mm -hmm. of people who go in the Army, their, like, biggest fear, biggest thing holding them back is basic training and, like, thinking they aren't physically fit enough. Yeah. So why don't you describe basic training? I know you went, I guess it was still considered, like, during COVID because you left, Yeah. I guess, May 2020, so we were really mm -hmm. in the height of COVID. What, uh, what did basic training look like for you? So with the COVID-19 basic training, um, ours was very different from – the like standard basic training just because a lot of the stuff we weren't able to do um, for the longest time. And I know they've reverted back to everything now just because people are like kind of less scared of COVID um, or they realize that like a lot of portions are kind of like un unavoidable to like stay in close contact with each other. So ours was really weird, which I'd say in a lot of situations almost made it worse because you couldn't, they couldn't, we couldn't really be prepared like, to do all the physical stuff beforehand. Um, but if you're like scared of basic training, really that that's kind of the entire point is just to intimidate you. And so uh, it feels like a lot of the like basis of it is when you're tasked with adversity in front of you, how do you handle it? Are you gonna like quit or, you know, go on? Also, they make it really hard to quit. So once you start, you're most of the time you're, you're gonna pass just cause like, the, the process to quit basic training is so much more complicated than just finishing it. Um, because now you have this like contract that you have to sit out. And so a lot of times what ends up happening is somebody will go in and then they'll be like, no, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not being in the army anymore. Um, and then 
they just end up like sweeping halls for the next, you know, year until, you know, somebody lets them leave until they finish all the paperwork. And that is like the, there's a lot of, the army does a lot of stuff. So the paperwork for, you know, this random person that just decided they didn't want to be in the army is at the very bottom of their like tier list. So a lot of times if you go and then you like quit out of basic, you're just going to be a janitor for, you know, an extended period of time. But it's really not that bad. A lot of it is just not quitting. And I know that sounds like a lot more simpler than like it is. But if you just like try, I feel like everybody, you know, maybe not everybody, obviously. But if if you genuinely put in the effort, it's real. I, I don't think you can fail basic training. It's just a matter of like, do you want to be there? And that's what they're that's what really the test is. is like, do you want to be here or are you just kind of hanging out? So what about, I know you had to go to school longer than other people you told us because you know you have to draw the maps but what do you think is AIT what was that like after well so for my AIT the the length was kind of weird um so the length of ours was just long enough to feel like we're there forever um but (laughs) not long enough to get all your stuff so like most of the time whenever you go to AIT um Cause like obviously in basic, you don't have like your cell phone and stuff like that. And it's the same way in a lot of AITs, anything under like 20 or I think anything under 22 weeks now, um, the, the like unit can, you know, opt in on whether or not they're going to like give you all of your like electronics and stuff back. And then anything over that, they normally just give you your stuff back. And so mine was like right at like 21 weeks. And so they just took most of our stuff the entire time. Uh, which is like, you know, I mean, you know, up to them and looking back, I remember at the time I was like, this sucks. I hate it here. This is awful. You know, why can't I have my phone? Blah, 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 blah. But you know, looking back at it now, it was probably better just because there's so much like class stuff going on. You don't really have time for it anyways. Cause you kind of just zone in. Um, but honestly, AIT was like a lot of fun. It's kind of like if you want like a college experience to be like really, short like if you want to go to college for like 10 weeks just you know join the army um and it's not like it was really fun uh, a lot of times but like at the time and to be fair now i look back on basic training and i'm like i had a lot of fun doing that but i definitely remember in basic training being like this sucks this is the worst experience of my life yeah. but it's one of those things where you kind of like you're with all those other people in a moment that's like kind of crappy and then everybody just kind of embraces the suck for like you know the whole time. I know you talked about being with other people and without electronics, I'm sure y'all bonded sort of a brotherhood or what um, is the bond like in the army? Cause I know, is, I mean, you're around other guys all the time mm-hmm. and you really can't get away. I mean, you're living on a base with other people. There's really no alone time. What is that bond like that you created with others? Well, so at first what I've noticed is like, anytime you go somewhere, like the, as soon as you get there, you're going to be like, I hate everybody here. Um, <laughs> and then it kind of like adjusts, you know, the longer you're there where it really just feels like natural to have those people there. Like for the longest time in Korea, my roommate, I could not stand him for like the first like two months. I was like, I hate this guy. I never want to see him again. I can't wait until, you know, this is over and I never have to like hang out with dude ever again. And uh, now he's like one of my best friends. Like I talk to him, even though I'm not there, uh, I talk to him like almost every day just about like random stuff just because you really do get to a point where like, you realize that everybody there is like there for you for the most part um, for like whatever you end up going through. Uh, And then same with like basic, almost more so in basic training, just because like 
No, I take that back. No, that's completely wrong. No, in basic training, everybody's just kind of there the whole time. It, and it depends. You know, your experience may be a little different. Um, but I, I definitely had people like in basic and AIT where I'm like, wow, I'll never forget those people. Um, but most of the time, you just get a lot of like crazy stories out of it. Because normally, if like you take all the electronics out of this like, you know, building filled with a bunch of people who are either A and that's the crazy part too is nobody's like really the same age so like I came fresh out of high school and I am very consistently the youngest person everywhere and so a lot of times like I'll have people under me who are like 30 years old and it's really awkward because I have to be like no you can't do that but like also if I was a 30 year old man and some like 19 year old kid was like yo you can't do this I'd be like I hate this guy like, you know, like, who does he, who does he think he is telling me what I can't do? Yeah. But you'll get a lot of like funny stories out of everything. Um, and so especially more so in like basic and AIT, there were so many stories of just people doing like, cause you just take everybody's stuff. So like, you know, people just make their own fun and it, it doesn't always end in like a great way. Well, that's a perfect lead in for what I have next. <laughs> What, uh, what stories do you have? Because I know before we started, you said that you have a ton of stories you'd love to talk Dude, about. Dude, you could go so, on for, like, army stories for – and I've only been in for, like, two years. And I there's probably what feels like hours worth of stories to tell just because somebody's always doing something stupid. Um, when you put that many, like, dumb young boys in a room, like, something stupid is going to happen. Um, the most notable one I, I can, like – think of is how it turns out exit signs are hollow on the inside um in, in case you ever wondered um we had this dude and he was like who are the people that like twirl the they twirl the rifles for like the school they're like color guard or whatever i think uh, it's just the guard right? oh yeah so they do the like rifle spinny thing i'm doing you know had the hand motions now for the all the audio <laughs> listeners um <laughs> you know they do the little like spin thing i think it's yeah. the guard like the color I guard or whatever so. Um, and so there's these two dudes in there and they're, I don't know if they were in the color guard or what, but they're throwing these like M4s up in the air and catching them. Also, by the way, M4 probably shouldn't spin it around like it's a toy. Like it, it is a real gun that they have in their hand that they're just like throwing up in the air and catching at the end. Um, and there's another dude in there. I'm trying to remember. I think his name was Brennan and he had a really like, Anytime he saw somebody else do something, he had to also be able to do that. And so he's watching them, like, throw this up in the air. And he's like, no, I can do that. That's not even that hard. I don't know why they're, like, you know, acting like that's impressive. And so he starts throwing his up in the air. And he throws it up the first time and catches it. And then he throws it up the second time. And that thing drops. And it had an ACOG scope on the top. And he dropped it directly on this ACOG scope. And it shattered into a million pieces. Also, uh, the army does this thing where like if you break something of the armies, you don't get charged how much it would cost for you to go order it on Amazon. You get charged how much it costs the army to buy more, which is significantly more because people are like, oh, well, the U.S. government has the money to the like best way I can put this is like, let's say you have this pen. Right. And you're going to sell me this pen. Um, Normally, I could buy this pen for like a dollar. Right. But you're going to sell it to the army and they're like, hey, we need four million pens. And you're like, well, um, I know I'm the only one who can get you 4 million pins. So I'll give you those at $20 a pin. 
And the Army's like, well, we have this unlimited credit card, so sure. And now, you know, they give these pins out to all these soldiers and you lose it. And now I'm paying $20 for this pin. And it's like, well, you know, cool for me, I guess. But so he breaks this scope and turns out the scope like $2,000 um, and it just shatters into pieces. And so we're all sitting there. Everybody is like dead silent because also in basic, it's not like one person messes up and now they're going to like, you know, we know that as soon as the drill sergeant comes up, he's not going to just go to this like one person and be like, hey, why'd you break this scope? And then, you know make punish that for what's going to happen. He's going to come up here, see this broken scope. And he's going to be like, why didn't you guys stop him from breaking his scope? And it's going to be like, it's not, we tried, we told him not to. And he just, you know, went on with it. And they're like, well, you should have tried harder. And then now we're all going to be in trouble for that. And so, Oh Lord, we're sitting here. Like, how do we come up with an excuse for why this ACOG scope is broken without <laughs> getting everyone in trouble and because we can't tell them that we were just spinning our m4s around like they were you know toys because obviously that's not going to go over well and so we're sitting up and then there's this other dude his name is jordan he's like six six um and he's like well that sucks for you guys i'm gonna go use the bathroom and i'm telling you right now i don't know why but for whatever reason jordan decided that he was going to skip to the bathroom like like a child, he was going to skip into the bathroom. And so he starts skipping to the bathroom. And he's like 6'6". So like when this dude jumps in the air, his head is already almost hitting the ceiling. And he skips by the door and his face smashes through the exit sign. Like clean through, like breaks through this exit sign. And now we're sitting here and we're like, oh, we're dead. Like we're, <laughs> we're, we're not going to sleep tonight. And so it's one thing if you mess up like in the middle of the day, because, like, they were probably just going to find an excuse to, like, you know, make you do push-ups anyways. Because um, a lot of times they'd come upstairs and they'd just, like, kick our trash can over and be like, why is there trash on the floor? Um, <laughs> and, and then, you know, start making everybody do push-ups. But now we've given them a reason. And it's, like, right before we normally go to bed. So we're all sitting here like, oh, we're just – we're not going to sleep tonight. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, like, this is going to suck. Um and the drill sergeant comes upstairs. We're all like sitting here like panicking, like very frantically. Like half of the people are like, oh, my God, we're going to die. And then the other half is like dying laughing because it's like, oh, my God, we're <laughs> this is about to be so trash forever. <laughs> um, and the drill sergeant comes up, doesn't even notice the exit sign. And she's just like, why is there so much noise coming from in here? Why are you guys all laughing? And then, you know, we do push-ups for laughing. But that's not as bad as, you know, thankfully, we're just like, she didn't notice the exit sign. And so the entire time, we're just waiting because they, like, count how many – they make sure everybody's in the building at the end of the day. And so we're waiting for them to do the, like, final count. And so then she comes up finally to do our final count, somehow doesn't notice this exit sign the entire time. And then right before she goes to leave, dude is like, hey, I – broke my he's like can i talk to you outside and he's like handing her this like acog scope in his hands like just the shattered pieces of this acog scope and he's like i i tripped and fell and broke this i, I it's like how much is it gonna is it gonna it's only gonna be like two hundred dollars right that's how much you can buy one for online and she's like um no it's like 
$2,000. And so now he's sitting here realizing he now has no money, um, no ACOG scope. And so eventually they're going to notice this exit sign. But we like then spend the rest of the night taping this exit sign back together like enough to where it doesn't look completely shattered and then putting the exit sign back up on the door. Um, and I mean, it looks almost brand new. And then like three weeks later, we're packing up all the stuff that we got, like, cause the army just gives you a bunch of, they don't give you something and then let you keep it. They give you something while you're at a place. And then instead of just having you bring that with you, they take it back. And then the next place will just give it to you again. And so we're turning in all of our like stuff that we use for basic training. And we've made like, and the drill sergeant's in there and we've made like an assembly line. And so we're just like throwing this stuff like across the room and catching it. And it's Jordan again. He throws this like rucksack too high and it smashes the exit sign again. <laughs> and the drill sergeant is like, we'll worry about it later. And then somebody from across the room is like, yo, Jordan broke the exit sign again. And then he's like, everybody pauses and he's like, yo, what do you mean again? Uh, and then we did push-ups for like the next like three years um, because, you know, he just exposed that we broke this exit sign before this. I'm telling you, dude, there's like, it's so much of just like, why is this happening? Like it, it whatever way you think you're going to get in trouble for it, that's not it. They're like, somebody's going to do something where you're like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever thought of in my entire life. But in their head, it, you know, they like ran it through and they're like, this is genius. This is, this is yeah. I'm going to skip to the bathroom. Um, it happens all the time. Good grief. All right. So let's pivot to like, you said you were at ROTC all four years of school. Mm -hmm. So obviously that had to help you in your transition to the army, right? Um, some of it. So the best transition or the best like help from it is if you're in ROTC for four years, or I think technically it's just three years, you need like six semesters. Um, then you'll go into the army as an E3 instead of an E1, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you, I think if you take ROTC for just one year, so like two semesters, you go in as an E2, but that like kind of pay jump is crazy when you think about it. Um, cause I think the jump from E1 to E3 is like, $400 a paycheck or like $300 a paycheck. And so you got to think, um, you, you got to, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's chapstick. My bad. Uh, um, it's a massive chapstick. Yeah. It's, uh, um, this is, a uh, that army Duke issue? cannons. Uh, can no, actually miss Monday gave me this chapstick. Oh. Believe it or not. Shout out miss Monday. I know. Right. What a, what a sweetheart. Um, all right, ROTC. All right, so yeah, so if you just think $400 a paycheck, two paychecks a month, um, and then it normally takes you, I think it's a year, so 12 months is how long it takes to get to E3 uh, from E1, that's like your standard like promotion time, or maybe 14, it's somewhere around there. Um, so $800 a month for 12 months, that's like, what, like almost $8,000? My, did I do that math right or I just messed it up? You're the one going to college. You tell me. Oh. Um, $800 a month for 12 months. Um, 9600 That's Yeah, that's almost ten grand. Close enough. Um, so, yeah, you got to think, like, if I told you now that I'd give you ten grand for you to take ROTC once a semester, would you do it? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, um, 
it's really so if you even if you aren't planning on joining the army like it's not really um it's still like fun a fun class to take but you know if you are there's no reason to not take it if you're going to go into any sort of military service like you might as well just take it all four years because that like bump is huge especially now uh, i just got promoted um so without that i wouldn't be like in the position i am now um just because I can hit the time and I only have to worry about hitting the time and service grade and not the time. And so the way they do it is you have to hit two marks. There's like, you have to be a certain rank, a certain amount of time before you can promote it. But you also have to be in the army a certain amount of time before you can get promoted. And so, because I've been um, like a private first class for all, like the entire time I've been in the army, the only time I had to wait for was the time in the army grade, which is just like 18 months before I can get like waived before, like, before I can get promoted, I need to be in the army for 18 months. And so I was able to do that, get promoted now. Um, and so now I have like, I don't even want to say like people that I have to like look after. And that's where it gets like awkward. But I wouldn't be in that situation and be making as much as I do now without spending all that time in ROTC. All right. So what about Carnes in general? How do you think Carnes prepared you for the army and what you do now? Uh, I feel like Carnes does a really good job of kind of preparing us for like post-secondary schooling in general. So like there were a lot of opportunities, like the ability to take the ASVAB uh, at the school and not have to go downtown. Mm -hmm. um, that was really convenient. Um, just like having the recruiters here all the time. So it's kind of like there. And then just I felt like the guidance counselors in general, at least for me, did a really good job of making sure that I kind of knew what I was doing. Or that, you know, getting me to the point where, like, I had some sort of plan. Even if it wasn't necessarily, like, what they think is the best idea. Just that, like, I have some sort of plan after high school. Because there's so many people that just don't have a plan after high school. And it's almost like a lot of people will get out and then see people they knew in high school. And they're like, oh, I just spent, you know, $3,000 wrapping my car purple. Um, and, you yeah. <laughs> And you'll, uh, you'll get, you know, you'll get there. And there's really people, I, I don't know. I felt like because of me going to Carnes and just like the community that I was raised in, um, it really prepared me to be a little more mature and professional once I got out of high school. All right. So let's talk about, as we begin to wrap up here, I guess, what, let's talk about the Army as a whole. What do you think the Army has taught you most? Um, I think a lot of, honestly, um, you could probably go like a lot of different, just cause you learn so much. So like mature, maturity, of course, is one of them, uh, professionalism. Um, but I think a, a lot that I see, even if it's not like necessarily applying to me the most is, um, acceptance and how like, cause you work with so many different people from all over the United States like no two people in the unit are like the same. Everybody's from some sort of different background, um, from some different like place. And so you find a lot of things that like you didn't know existed uh, a lot of times. So like a lot of times I would have to end up explaining what crystals was and then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and why, uh, you know, why I, you know, the, my like guilty pleasure place to eat is to go get, you know, crystals. Um, or just like just random stuff that you kind of think of every single day or even just like words and phrases mean very different things um, depending on like what part of the country you're in. 
And so, you know, that can kind of also working with different with like people of different ages a lot, too. So like like I said before, being over somebody who's like 40 years old, you you get to learn a lot of like stuff that I didn't think of before. So like in my head, I'm just kind of running like through all the stuff that I have to worry about. And then I realized that the dude who's asking me questions on how to like do this stuff or like, you know, make sure he's prepared also has to worry about like his wife and his kids and like, you know, whatever he's got going back on, like going back at home. So does Crystal's offer a military discount? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been able to ask. Turns out Sonic does not offer a military discount. Um, I, in my head, I was like, yeah, we're in the South. Everywhere offers military discounts. Is that wrong? That's also really cool. You know, 10% off everywhere. Pretty Steven sick. Steven was heated. That was the first thing he told me when he walked in here was that, did you know the Sonic does not offer a military discount? <laughs> well, yeah. I, shout out to the guy at Sonic though, because I pulled up to the window and I was like, Hey, you guys give a uh, military discount. And he was like, I don't know. I'm new here. Uh, and so he like turned around and he's like, Hey, do we get military discount? And the dude behind him was like, no. And he's like, we don't give military discount, unfortunately. But we do give employee discount. And then he, like, turned and started, like, typing it in. He's like, thank you for your service. So shout out to that guy, except for, you know, the rest of Sonic. Um, but, you know, that guy is uh, really supporting the troops out here. Yeah. What do you think has been uh, your favorite thing about the Army as a whole, like your whole experience? Um, I really like traveling, actually. Uh, before I joined the Army – the idea of like needing to leave Tennessee was ridiculous to me. I was like, that's dumb. I have everything I could ever want, like right here. And you know, in Knoxville, I got everything. It's like, I can do a little bit of everything. This is, you know, this is home. I love everything here, but being able to go to like Korea and Japan, um, Germany, places like that, crazy. Um, to just kind of like see the world. Um, and then even not just that, but like traveling the continental United States too, going to like a bunch of different states is also really fun. Um, just to see like how people kind of do things differently. Um, and cause like the culture change is a lot of the biggest, like that's probably the biggest difference. Cause when it comes to just like how things look and how buildings are and you know, stuff like that, a lot of that is all the same all over the world. But like, for example, in Korea, they don't tip, like tipping does not exist. Uh, which was kind of unfortunate coming back here and, you know. Didn't you say it was seen as like an insult? Yeah, it's like an insult. They're like, I don't need your money. I'm not poor. Um, (laughs) You know, like I don't almost like you, you know, you tip the homeless. You don't tip me working at uh, this restaurant. Um, That's that covers the cost. The cost of the food covers the tip. Like, you know, it's just not, it's not a regular thing. And so a lot of times I would just kind of be used to being like, no, 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 don't worry about the change. Like you can keep that. And then they would get visibly upset. Like, (laughs) no, I don't need your money. I'm not poor. Um, and it's like, Oh, all right. But I mean, um, which over there felt really weird until I came back here and then I would like get something and go to leave. And I'm like, Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm, I forgot. That's a thing we do here. So you said you like traveling. You're going to Texas next, right? Yeah, I'll be going to uh, Killing, Texas. It's uh, it's where Fort Hood is. And how long will you be there? Um, I'll be there for that'll be my duty station for probably like three years, and then I'll decide whether or not I want to re-enlist or get out. And if I re-enlist, uh, get to choose where I go next. And so uh, that's honestly how it's looking right now. And right now I'm deciding whether I want to like go to uh, what's it? Fort Campbell is like right here in Tennessee. 
Um, I mean, I guess technically it's on the border of Kentucky and Tennessee, but, you know, it's super close mm-hmm. um, between that and then either going to, like, Hawaii or Germany. Um, uh, my cousin is in Germany. He actually just got moved from Germany, but he said uh, he likes it there. Yeah, it looks fun. I've only heard good things. Only yeah. heard good things. You get to travel all of Europe when you go to Germany just because yeah. everything's, like, right there. That's how, I mean, they treat the countries they're like states where you just go. Yeah, you just country go to country. all in between. I was going to say, what was I going to say? Oh, so originally when you told us you were going to the Army, you said you were going to be one and done and get a job. Well, so. Get like a six, get like a big boy six-figure job outside of the Army. What a, what happened to that plan, Stephen? Well, so a lot of times, um, so like especially with the job I have, you can make a lot more on the outside. And so promotion in the Army is really fast. Um, with like the job we have, just because everybody gets in and then they're like, Oh, I can I can make six figures if I just leave, and then so they just leave because you know that's better than you know waking up at four a.m. for PT. But um, <laughs> so a lot of it is just kind of like being able to go to my job and have like a purpose and be like, oh, you know, I I like this. Like I I feel like what I'm doing matters, um, and it kind of gives me a reason to like do stuff every. Like, there's no way I could ever work at, like, McDonald's or something like that just because it's, like, if I work my absolute hardest, what comes out of it? I, like, you know, Johnny No Thumbs burger tastes a little better. So, I mean, that's cool. But, like, where I am now, if my effort directly reflects and, you know, kind of affects the, like, team. And so it gives me a reason to, like, try and want to go to work every day. But also just, like, um, so the way the Army has kind of switched its retirement program, um, where before they had, like, just the 20 years, um, and then, you, you know, you're done, you get your uh, pension. And now it's, it's kind of like a blended system. So you can, at your own expense, you can put more money um, out, you can take more money out of your paycheck and put it into this retirement fund and then you can access that up to like after seven years in. And so at this point, it kind of seems like why not just do the seven years so I can also get paid for the rest of my life um, on top of whatever job I get in the future. Just because like, you know, financial security, kind of important. Um, so your seven years would be Texas and then whichever one Yeah, and then whichever after. one I do after that. And then after that, because, you know, just skedaddle. And your experiences. Yeah. You put a price on those. Yeah, and, you know, have all the... Oh, I was thinking of, like, I know more stuff, and, you know, and I could raise the price of, you know, how much uh, I'm going to work for. But also, you're right, you can't put a price on memories. Yeah. So what would you say your least favorite thing about the army overall has been the least favorite thing i don't know there's a lot of bs sometimes <laughs> there's, a, there's there's no other way to put i like this entire time i won't lie the uh, people curse a lot in the army and i gotta i had to like kind of tone it back for this podcast yes um and so there's just no other way to say that there's just, there's a lot of stuff where you're there and you're like why are we doing this and like this makes what no you, sense you give an example i mean i'm sure um so like everybody's different in the army right and so a lot of times you'll have people and their idea of fun is to go on a 12 mile run wearing a gas mask and it's (laughs) like no that's not fun for anybody but you and you know it a lot of there's just a lot of stuff it's there's never like 
it's never so bad to the point where I'm like, no, I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, I'm quitting. This is stupid. Uh, but it's like a lot of the little things where you're like, ah, why? Like, whose idea was this? Um, so, you know. All right. So we talked about your future in the Army. Yeah. You're going to go to Texas and then go somewhere like close to home or super cool like Germany. Yeah. Hawaii. Now, that could be fun. Hawaii. Hawaii would be pretty cool. Now it's time for you to share some government secrets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Kill it. I, I have to kill you. Uh, <sighs> or, you know, just take your podcast. This is an hour of, like, no work. You, you just throw this hour away. I know. Actually, 44 minutes and 43 seconds right now. Oh, that's, but are the birds real? Are the birds real? No, yeah. those are all government spots. I knew it. Every single one's See, a robot. See, I said that in the last podcast, and everybody's like, you don't think birds are real? No, they're not real. They're not real. I can confirm. They're all robots. I was like, maybe some of the cool birds are real. Listen, maybe it's above my pay grade, but all I'm saying is if you ever go on a military bird base, all the animals there, super bold. They will just walk mean? right up to you and hang out. Okay, like, you got to give a story about. I'm something. telling you, man. Like when we first, when I first got to basic training, it was like pigeons just like coming up and sitting next to me, and I'm like, "Yo, like, it's what are you? Your homies with the government? <laughs> yeah, I know. We work doing, for them. We're tight like Actually, that. That's your coworkers. Yeah, next it's, that's John from accounting. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's some guy sitting behind a desk. He's yeah. on his lunch break too. That's why he's sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, they like the animals on military bases. Super bold. Um, if you don't want to believe in the conspiracy theory, it can also be that there's like a $50,000 fine for killing animals on military bases. Um, and so maybe you, they're just like... You talked about how expensive the equipment yeah, was. Maybe they just know that, you know, <laughs> you they can be killed, so they're like really friendly. But maybe there's a big fine so you don't kill these robot pigeons and find <laughs> out that they're robot pigeons. That's what I'm saying. you got to pay for the camera that you just destroyed. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, you had to man. pay for the scope you destroyed. Yeah, they're definitely not real. Birds don't exist. All I'm saying is I've never seen a baby uh, baby pigeon. Nope, nobody has. Yeah, nobody they're, ever will. They're not in nest either. There's none. They don't exist. Yeah, they're robots. The government's going to listen to this and you saying this and that you're going to have to go get a six-figure job <laughs> yeah. because you're not allowed in the Army anymore. <laughs> no, they'll just come lock me up forever. Yep, you're done. You exposed uh, the birds. Oh, God. Can we All cut right. that? Can we cut that? <laughs> we have to leave it in. The birds are not real. <laughs> the birds are bourgeoisie. So, do you have any other, before we wrap up, do you have any other stories that come to mind you want to share? Um, Give us some more laughs before we head out. Um, not a lot that I can say on this PG podcast, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I can tell you something afterwards. Don't worry. Oh, Lord. And, no, and you don't want to share any more government secrets no, besides the birds. Yeah, no, just the birds aren't real. You know, stay woke, guys. Stay woke. All right. Well, I want to thanks for coming back, Stephen, <laughs> after being locked in the building for the unprecedented, the longest lockdown most teachers have ever yeah, I should have called it quits. Mm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I should have taken it as a sign not to do this. I was very surprised you came back, but I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody listening, and you can find all of our content at thecarmschronicle.com. Thanks for listening.